Good morning. So good morning. <laughs> oh man. I told my wife, I said, uh, I said, man, I thought today was Sunday. And I, you know, I guess they're just running together. But good afternoon. And if you overseas, it might be good morning. <laughs> but nevertheless, we're excited to have you with us once again to another TRC broadcast. I am your host, Bishop R.D. McLeod, and I am privileged to be able to stand before you and minister the word of righteousness. So again, we thank you so much for all that you do. Thank you for being a part of what God is doing at TRC. Uh, sends greetings from my lovely wife, Lady Angela McLeod. Amen. And uh, uh, she sends her love. So if you guys would just sit back, get your um, note-taking utensils, whatever they may be, maybe it'd be your phone, maybe it'd be a tablet. You might be scribbling on a piece of paper, but do whatever you have to do in order to retain the word of God. I say it all the time. We must become students of the word of God. Amen. All right. Well, without any further ado, let's jump right on in here. Um, we are continuing the, the series uh, that we had begun on Sunday uh, about surviving the anointing. You know, in the church world, we've heard the word anointing, anointing. It is highly misused, just like the word love, just like the word Christian. I mean, it is all over the place. But we are trying to get a better understanding as to what God is saying in reference to the anointing. You need to understand the anointing if you are going to be able to operate in the anointing. I said this before, I'll say it again, and I'm sure there's at least a couple of more times before this is all said and done. I will say it again. We are all anointed, but we but we don't all operate in the anointing. Now, what do I mean by that? Let's go back to, again, for those that were not here the first time, and go back. Please listen to the first part because I don't want you to miss something and misunderstand something. We went back and talked about a little bit about the origin, the natural origin of the anointing, what it actually meant. And the shepherds, when they were out with the sheep, uh, the sheep were subject to lice, uh, uh, insects, other parasites, and they would get into the wool. But their whole purpose was to work their way up to the ears and and burrow themselves down to get in the head. The enemy does that today. He will come in and what, what would look like is something that's totally not relevant and get in your life, get into your heart, but he's trying to get you to 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 for your heart to um walk away from God. He's trying to get your in your head and get you to listen to a lot of foolishness and nonsense. You know, uh, Jesus said it this way. He said, my sheep hear my voice and a stranger they will not follow. So hearing is very, very important. So when these uh, insects and parasites would barrel down into the ears of the sheep, it could actually kill them. So what the shepherds would do is they would anoint the head of the sheep with oil. Uh, incidentally, um, uh, the word in the Greek chiro means to rub with oil and smear all over. 
And this is basically what uh, they would do is put oil all over the head of the sheep. Well, a couple of things that would do, it would act as a defense because it would thicken the wool. It would keep the insects and parasites from being able to have access to the ears. And so, uh, and so we talked about that application of the word. And then there's another word that talks about that the word anointing means to set apart, consecrate for service, for office uh, or for service. Um, so uh, the anointing became symbolic of blessings, protection, uh, and, and, and power. So we understand that in spiritually speaking is that the anointing is, comes from God. The anointing comes from the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says he anoint us with power and the spirit. So uh, in our last teaching, we established that the, uh, uh, what the anointing meant. We also determined that the anointing, and listen to me, please, is not a magic potion. You know, um, back in the 80s, I guess, um, and early 90s, in the church circle, we had what was considered the name it and claim it bunch. We understand that there are certain things that you must say out of your mouth. The Bible says we have the same spirit of faith. We believe, therefore, have we spoken. Uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 7. We, we also believe, therefore, we speak. There is an appropriate time to speak. There is appropriate time to call those things that be not as though they were. The Bible says, let the weak say I'm strong. You are just trying to uh, agree with God. Amos 3.3 3 says, how can two walk together except they be agreed? You can't walk with God if you don't agree with God. Okay. And so uh, we know that there was a name at Claimant Bunch is the point that I was getting to. And they was going around, man, all up at the Bentley place, laying, laying hands on Bentleys and Mercedes and laying hands on all types of houses that, you know, 15 bedrooms, 10 bedrooms, and they were naming it and claiming it. But you know, the truth of the matter is, is you can name and claim all you want to, but you have to have something to substantiate that. You have to at least be in the position that God can open that door to you because the Bible says the blessings of the Lord make it rich. He added no sorrow with it. And if you get evicted out of the house after one month, <laughs> then that's sorrow. And that wasn't God. Are you listening? You know, everybody wants to go to another level, but in theory, you must grow to another level. Are you listening to what I'm saying? So let's continue to move on. It is not a magic potion. And I know a lot of times people come to me and I'm not mad with you and don't take this. Uh, don't, don't, don't take offense to what I'm getting ready to say, because there is a place for this. People come and they bring oil and they say, hey, Bishop, will you pray over this oil? And that is biblical. Yeah, we will. We'll pray over the oil. However, you know, the Bible talks about that, talks about uh, the oil and 
we said about consecrating for office. I know Sammy went to Jesse's house and he anointed David. He said, take the horn of oil and go and anoint. I've, I've provided me a king amongst Jesse's son. So he had to anoint him over in Deuteronomy. The Bible says is that they uh, the priests anointed the tabernacle and all of the, 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 the utensils therein. So I, I get that you go around your house, you anoint your house and you should. Uh, I understand that. What I'm saying is, is you can't just live apart from God and apart from the source of the anointing and walk around with oil and just putting oil on everything and, and naming it and claiming it. The only thing you're going to get out of that is something you just going to get greasy. Okay. That's, that's, that's it. You will get greasy uh, because there is no power associated with that. The power is from the spirit. Okay. So we did establish that the last time it's not a magic potion. And then I said this be, uh, in the beginning and I'm sure I'll say it again. The Bible says that we are all, if you're born again and a child of God, you we are all anointed, but we don't all operate in the anointing. I will clarify that as we continue to teach. Lastly, uh, lastly, we uh, we said that the um, anointing is supplied by the Spirit. And it's in association with the will of God. Are you listening to what I'm saying? It is it is supplied by the Spirit and associating with association with the will of God. So when you're anointing things, make sure that you are no, anointing something that is in the express will of God. You can't just go anoint somebody and claim them as your mate. You can't just go anoint things and claim them to work if you don't work. Are you listening? So what I'm trying to say is there must be some balance. Many times we lack balance. Has to be some balance to this, guys. All right. Now listen to this. Uh, we know that Samson violated the will of God and the anointing lifted from him. You know, um, we we we, we, we said this and we brought this point up before we uh, ended the last time. And you really need to go back and listen to that again, because I'm telling you, you know, you don't always retain what you think you retain. You might memorize it, but it's not retaining your spirit where the power is. But Samson played with the anointing and the Bible says as a result, he got his eyes were put out. Now, that's just part of it. But the point that I made about that is, is that when you get away from the anointing, your sight, your vision becomes dim. Are you listening? You know, uh, as you get older, even in the natural, what happens is, you know, you 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 begin to uh, need more light in order to see. Uh, light is representative of. The word of God, the Bible says, the interest of thy word, give it light and understanding to the simple. The Bible always say, also says that the word of God is a light, uh, uh, a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. So the word of God represents light. So here, what I'm saying is, is as you get away from the anointing, 
you will find that your eyesight becomes dim. Moses walked with God. The Bible says that uh, his eyesight was not dim, neither was his natural forces abated. What is basically saying here too is as you stay and you walk with God, you will see that the power of God will cause you to be able to see clearly. You will be able to see and have vision from God. Samson played around. They put out his eyes because he was out of the will of God. Look at the stuff he did. We talked about that, but I'll get back to that in a, in a few minutes because I do want to bring up a few more points about that. Um, so apart from the light, we lose our sight. There are people right now that are out here and you no longer see what God showed you in the beginning. You no longer understand the things that you understood in the beginning. The Bible says to him that have uh, shall have and gain more in abundance, but him that have not should be taken away even that that he have. So what happens here is as you get away from God and away from the light of the gospel, you will find yourself operating in carnality, operating in a in sensual perception. Are you listening? Everything that you do will be based off of your the senses. You know, you'll find yourself offended easily. You'll find yourself uh, um, uh, drawn off the path uh, easily. You'll find that you, you can't hold your attention. You are distracted easily. Why? Because you have gotten away from the light. And, and, and if you look at the fruit, there's nothing else happening at that point. Everything seems to be shut down because God is our motivating factor. Are you listening to what I'm saying? You were meant to flow in God to achieve anything. Outside of God, you can only achieve things to the level that your flesh is able to achieve. Anything beyond that, the greatness God called you to, you would never be able to achieve that. If you go back to Adam and you see Adam and Eve when they violated the word of God and got away from God and hid themselves, then the Bible says from the sweat of your brow, will you be able to eat from this point? You will be limited to your physical abilities. And I'm telling you right now, when God has his hand on you, he wants to do so much more in your life than what you're physically able to do. And in the church world today, people are, are as depressed as the world. People are, are, are as confused as the world. People are suffering burnout to a great degree. Why? Because you are operating in the power of your flesh. And according to Jeremiah 17 and 5, the Bible says, cursed is he that leaneth upon the arm of flesh. But blessed is he to make it the Lord thy God his habitation. When God is not your driving force, you will burn out. You will become overwhelmed continuously. Why? Because the strength, the joy of your salvation becomes your strength. The Bible says that if, 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 uh, if you faint in a day of adversity, your strength is small. That means that there, you are not empowered from the inside but you are operating from the outside. Are you listening? Now, let me continue to move on with this. Uh, so we're talking about surviving the anointing. And if you just joined us, that what kind of a title is that? Surviving the anointing. Let me explain that to you. 
when the anointing comes on your life, it is like you are transformed. And we saw that the last time for Samuel 10 and 6, that the Bible says when the anointing come on you, it will turn you into another man. It's almost like you are a person that has gone from extreme poverty to a windfall. Why? Because when the anointing comes on you, it opens up accessibility to things that it was impossible for you to see, know, or achieve. So when that anointing comes on you and you become that other man or that other woman, you become attractive. But see, people have misunderstood this and misinterpreted it. I remember Bishop said to us one time, a long time ago, and um, it was so true. Uh, he said, uh, as he was talking to the, to, to, the, to the pastors and bishops and leaders, he said, you could be five foot five with no teeth, a bald head and a pot belly smoking a cigar. But if you got the word of God, somebody going to find you attractive. Well, see, you know, in the natural, that's not the recipe for an attraction. So what makes the difference? The anointing. And when the anointing comes on people, they don't know how to handle it. Most people can't survive the anointing because when it comes on you, you automatically, you know, there was a song a long time ago. I don't know who made that song. I don't know whether it was, um, uh, it might've been Helen Reddy, but, uh, and it says, you so, you're so vain. I bet you think this song is about you. Well, see, that's what happens when people get anointed. They think that it's about them. It's not about you. It is that attraction that God has placed on you to draw people to you so you can win souls for Christ, so you can be an example. You remember the Bible says over in the book of Acts, the Bible says when the spirit of the Lord uh, comes upon you, um, that you shall be witnesses of me. Did you get that? Listen to me, guys, and you know this as well as I do. Without the spirit of God, it's impossible for you to be a witness of God because without the spirit of God, we lie. We are angry. Without the spirit of God, we are confrontational. Without the spirit of God, we are lazy. Without the spirit of God, all of these deficiencies are in our lives and they are, they are, they are, they are obvious. But when the spirit of God comes on you, it, it's, it's, like a, it's like a cloak. And all of a sudden, people see you differently. Why? Because you operate differently. You think differently. You and, and they see something in you. They see hope on the inside of you. They see it. And so, therefore, they are attracted to you. And a lot of times, we misunderstand this. And when people are drawn to us, we sleep with them. We thought that it was us. We thought we were fly. We thought we was all that in a bag of chips, but it was not you. It was the anointing that God placed on you so you could reach people, so you could minister to people. But we use the anointing. We pimp the anointing and we started doing things and, 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 and hanging out with folks who never paid us any attention. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Guys, you got to get this. See, the anointing empowers you. It empowers you. It makes you someone else. It makes you different. It changes. You know, that's what Moses said to the Lord. When I go to Pharaoh and, and, and tell him that 
Thus said the Lord, let my people go. Who am I going to say sent me? And the Lord had to correct them, and he has to correct us too. He said, it's not who you are, it's who I am. If you ever lose the sight of who God is, you're going to have a problem. You're going to have a problem. You are going to misdirect the purpose of the anointing. So therefore, we can we can we can gather by this as that the anointing on you is purpose driven. The only reason it comes on you, there is a purpose. Are you listening? And most people they forfeit the purpose. They don't see why God placed the anointing on them because they're looking at their natural heritage. They're looking at their own abilities or lack of them. And they don't see that God has made them so much bigger and greater than they were before. So they misunderstood uh, or misunderstand the anointing. And when God comes back, they're going to be sitting on a treasure chest with one talent in their hand. Are you listening to me? Listen, I'm telling you right now, Guys, I don't I don't care what you think. I know the truth. There is no way I could preach, teach, remember or recall the scriptures if it was not for God. Without him, I'm just an accident going somewhere to happen. There is no way. I never I, I don't have to get challenged with that. I don't have to think for some reason that it's me. I know better. And I always go to God, even before I come before you, and I say, Lord, I know that I don't know a thing without you. And I need you to anoint me and give me the tongue to learn to say what your people need. I am incapable of doing that without the Spirit of God. You are incapable of doing that without the Spirit of God. Stop putting so much pressure on yourself. Just know up front, you can't do it. See, when you think you can do it, you're still looking for ways to do it. Once you realize you can't do it, you'll stop looking for ways and just rest in it. Hebrews chapter four, there remain a rest for the people of God. That's That rest is in God. So the anointing will make you attractive. It will draw people to you. And if you think about it, there are so many people that started out really well in the body of Christ. But the truth of the matter is, and I think it was John Maxwell that said there was only like one out of 10 people that will successfully uh, uh, be, um, how do he say that? That will, that will, that will, he didn't say survive the anointing. He said it was like one out of 10 that will be successful in any form of ministry. And that, 90% of people will fail at it. Now, the truth of the matter is, is you don't have to be one of that 90%. So don't be depressed. You don't have to be. Are you listening to what I'm saying? So uh, he was a great uh, uh, teacher of leaders. And so what I'm saying to you is many people start out. You know it as well as I do. If you remember back in like when we were in person in churches, People would stand up, man, and they would be like, I thank God that I'm walking in divine health. 
I thank you no weapon formed against me shall prosper. I thank you for God I live and for God I die. I thank you right now that I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. And if I die, let me die. I thank you in the name of the Lord Jesus that he said, let the weak say I'm strong. I think, boy, they was up and they were saying all kinds of stuff. But listen to me. Look around you. A lot of those people are nowhere around to be seen. And, and the Bible says many are the afflictions of the righteous. That means, you know, the same afflictions are accomplishing your brethren in the world. Some of the things that you have overcome, some people couldn't. They didn't survive. Some people, and listen to me, many times whatever call is on your life will determine the battles that you will have to fight. You know, big devils guard big treasures. And if you ain't being bothered by the devil, then guess what? He don't see any treasure in you. Are you listening? Big devils guard big treasures. I remember you can see that uh, many of you saw this 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 uh, advertisement with uh, diamond ales. You know diamond ales were not real, and they had these two big guards standing on the side right now. You know beside the person that had the diamond ales, but you know they ain't even have a gun. <laughs> they didn't even have a gun. You know. What was they going to do? Take the flashlight, <laughs> bring back them diamond nails. I see you. <laughs> Listen to me. <laughs> big devils guard big treasures. So my point to you is if the enemy is fighting you, it's one of two reasons. It's because you've gotten over in his area in darkness or you are pushing in his area with the light. So let us continue. So they're anointing is attractive and it will draw people to you. Do people always come and talk to you? Always wanting to tell you their problems? Do people always come? Now, sometimes it's because people don't want to do anything and they want to shove their problems off on you. But another reason is because people are looking for, for the answers and God send them to you. People start out, but they don't finish. I said this before, Samson, he played around with the anointing. He didn't survive the anointing. You know, uh, the Bible says he killed more people in his death than he did when he was alive. And we know he slew a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of, of, of a donkey. Okay. You know, it's hard to say he slew uh, a lot of people with the jawbone of an ass. I know my wife is saying, Bishop. <laughs> and the jawbone of an ass is still killing people today. But enough about that. Let's just move on. Oh, you heard what he said. <laughs> but listen, listen. So he played around dipping honey out of a carcass that he wasn't even supposed to touch. His Nazarene, his, his Nazarene vows, he just threw them all out the window. And you know, the last one that he violated was his hair. But let me tell you, the strength was not in his hair. The strength was in his consecration, walking in the purpose of God and in the anointing. So it is with you and I. When we are walking in God's purpose, that's when we walk in the strength because we are no longer fighting God. And that's why Paul was able to say, when I am weak, when I'm not fighting God, when I'm not trying to lead, that's when the power of Christ rests upon me. And so God will rest upon you. You listen, if you're trying to stop somebody from drowning, the first thing you got to get them to do is stop fighting you. Are you listening? So that's what happened to him. Now, 
Let's look at Solomon. Solomon had a blank check. You know, the Lord said, Solomon, ask me what you want me to give you. Solomon said, Lord, you know, I just want you to give me a discerning spirit that I can discern rightfully amongst your people. And the world beat a path to Solomon's door for the wisdom that he possessed. The wisdom brought him wealth. The wisdom brought him notoriety. The wisdom brought him fame. And the next thing you know, here he is with a thousand women setting up groves and temples to worship idols in the end. He didn't survive the anointing. See, God was pleased at him in the very beginning. And a lot of people start out good like that. A lot of people start out on, on fire. A lot of people start. There are some of you listening right now that you know, if you look, you'll see the smoke because the fire has gone out. But you didn't survive the anointing. But the, thank God that Jesus, the Bible says, has a fan in his hand and a smoking flax he will not quench. And neither will a, a broken reed, reed he will not break. But he, he got a fan in his hand and he will thoroughly purge the floor. Jesus is still waving his fan, trying to get that little ember that's in you, that's still lit, where you're smoking, but you're not out. Jesus trying to light you back up again. This word is trying to light you back up again. You running around talking about you lit, but you barely lit. And Jesus is trying to light you up again. But Solomon, he started out, the Bible says, just saying, please the Lord. But then where, where did he end up? A thousand women? And he was told, all that strange flesh is going to turn your heart, your mind, your body, your family, your children. <laughs> I'm telling you, uh, all that strange flesh. And the flesh will turn you from God right now. It will. So he didn't survive the anointing. In the end, he was, he was, he was disgusting in his application of the wisdom that he had. Are you listening to what I'm saying? <laughs> then we look at Saul. Here Saul was the first king of Israel. The Bible says he was head and shoulders above every other man. A handsome man. But what happened? All he had to hear was Saul has killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. Somewhere along the line, something he heard turned him and he didn't survive the anointing that was on him either. <laughs> Are you listening to what I'm saying? He was saying, Saul, Saul went through a lot of changes, even now to the fact that he was trying to kill David because of what the people were saying. But over in 1 Samuel um, uh, 26, Saul was noted as saying, he said, I have erred exceedingly, I played the fool. See, the end of his life was jacked up. He went out to battle and he and his sons all got killed. He was, he, he was, he was, he was trying to consult one with familiar spirits. He was doing all of this stuff, Ouija boards and, and all of this other stuff. He got over into all of that stuff. He started out in the supernatural and he failed by the supernatural, but it was another supernatural. Are you listening to what I'm saying? So he said, he said, hey, I've erred. It's exceedingly. I played the fool. That was how his end. And then if you, um, 
if you look over in the Old Testament, there was Ahab and Benadad. And they were, uh, Benadad told Ahab, he said, hey, look, I'm going to come over. I'm going to take everything you got. I'm taking your wives. I'm taking your children. I'm taking your gold. I'm taking your silver. I'm taking all of that stuff. And Ahab said to him, <laughs> Ahab said, boast not that you're able to put on your armor, but boast if you're able to take it off. <laughs> what does that mean? That means it's easy to start something. Anybody can start something. He said, hey, don't be proud just because you can put armor on. But if you don't make it back to take it off, then you have accomplished nothing. And that's just where we are. Many of us put the armor on, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wild, the strategies, the deceits of the devil. We put it on, but we don't make it back. Are you listening to what I'm saying? I hope this is lighting the fire of some of you right now is because starting is not enough. It's how we finish. The Bible says better is the ending of a thing than the beginning. So let me uh, let me continue to move on here. And now we also, uh, lastly, we look at one of uh, Paul, uh, one of the members of his apostolic team, uh, Demas. The Bible says that when Paul wrote a letter, Paul said, Demas was with me uh, at Antioch. He was with me in other places, ministering the word of God. But don't look for him when I come because he has forsaken me and gone back in the world. Oh, man, that's a biggie right there. A lot of people have gone back into the world. They started out good. And it doesn't matter whether we know all of this or not. But you know, because we have become indifferent with the anointed. We have come to the place that the world has softened our stance on the anointed. The Bible says that Satan seeks to wear out the saints and change the laws. And he has caused many people in the church to get to the place where they are indifferent. And, and the Bible says over in Exodus, I will make a difference between thee and the Egyptian. There's supposed to be a notable difference between you and the people on your job. People going to persecute you because you're different. See, the Bible says in the last days, men will call good evil and call evil good. If they're not calling you evil, if they're not angry with you, then guess what? Your light may be already out. See, you have to take a stand and not care who knows it. Because I'm telling you, if Jesus showed up and you had the rapture, you, you're not going to care if you're looking down and you see people persecuting you. You have to make a stand. He said, Demas went back into the world. And we know 1 John uh, chapter 2 and verse 15 said, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For if any love the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, or not of the Father, but of the world. And verse 17 says, and the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. We have to abide for that. That's going to come back into play. He that doeth the will of God abide forever. See, because how can you abide forever in 
the protective shell of the anointing. That's why Psalms 91, we like to quote that without being under the anointing. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the most high shall abide, shall abide, shall abide, shall abide under the shadow of the almighty. The Bible says a thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Abide means to take up residence, not visit, not jump in and out of God like double dutch. Abide. Yes, we're all going to make mistakes, but that should be that should be uh, the exception and not the rule. You shouldn't be living outside and then visiting God every now and then. See, some of us got God on visitation. <laughs> you got visitation rights. God, God's still trying to get custody of you. <laughs> and you just got him on, on visitation. When there's an issue, a problem, then you allow him to visit. Oh, man, let me go ahead on and move on. So I'm going to read this because I read it the uh the other day, First John chapter uh, two. I want to read this because we are talking about abiding. The Bible says, First John chapter two, verse twenty-seven. Now listen. But the anointing which you have received of Him abideth in you. The anointing is in you, and you have not that any man teach you, but that as the same anointing teaches you all things. Abiding. And it's a truth, the Bible says, and it's no lie. And even as it has taught you, you shall abide in him. Guys, guys, if you're hearing anything I'm saying, you got to abide in him. We got to stop making church a weekend thing. Stop me. It, it, listen, the Bible says Jesus is the high priest of our profession. Profession is how you live. If you're a doctor, it's your profession. You don't do it on the weekend. Boy, if you was a weekend doctor, you kill folks. Are you listening? If you was a weekend basketball, you play for free. <laughs> Are you listening? If it is your profession, it is your livelihood. And if Christianity is not your profession, then you are not reciprocating any kind of benefits from it. Psalms 103 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities and healeth all thy diseases. He crowned you with loving kindness so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles, and he satisfied your mouth with good things. Are you listening to me? Guys, I'm trying to tell you, I hope the Holy Spirit is hitting you right here. People say, you stepped on my toes. I missed. I try to get you right here because if your heart don't change, your life won't change. Are you listening to me? Abide. He said, you must abide. You must abide. And see, Jesus is our pattern. He is our pattern. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Uh, Jesus is the one we should model ourselves out of. Uh, 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 model ourselves from. It's like, that's how Paul said, follow me as I follow the pattern, as I follow Christ. And in uh, John 5 and 19, Jesus said, the son can do nothing of himself. Are you listening to me? He's basically saying, this is how 
you survive the anointing. Stop doing self-purposed uh, 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 things. Stop doing uh, uh, self-willed things. Do nothing of yourself and be led by the Spirit. This is where we fall into trouble. John 5 and 30, Jesus said, I can do nothing. I can do nothing of myself or whatsoever I hear of the Father. That's what I'm going to do. Are you listening to what I'm saying? He understood. He said, I won't do anything except from the will of the Father who sent me. You have to come to a place where when you get up, you want to know what is the will of God for you today. We are so, so desperate in trying to have our way and get what we want at the expense of eternity. Are you listening? Jesus said, I can do nothing of myself. And I don't do anything except I hear of the Father. Are you listening? I can't of my own self do nothing. I seek not my own will. Remember when he was in the garden of Gethsemane, he said, Lord, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will. I want to know what you say. We got to get off of this control thing, Janet. You're not in control. And if you are, the Bible says there is a way to see me right unto man, but in the end, you will crash. Are you listening? And so, therefore, it brings me to this point. In St. John, um, John chapter uh, 5 and verse 15, Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. Here's the word again. Abide in me and I in you, and the same will bring forth much fruit. But without me, you can do no thing. Are you listening? Without me, you can do no thing. God, we have to come to a place where we realize that without Jesus, the stuff we put down is nothing. We're not. It's nothing because it has no eternal value. And when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ, none of that stuff is going to matter. Without me, you can do nothing. So Jesus said, I can't do nothing without the Father, and you can't do nothing without me. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Let me close with this. Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, and I'm going to close. Luke chapter 10. And this is, uh, listen to this, verse 17. I'm going to read these set of scriptures. The Bible says, and the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. Even the devils are subject through thy name. And listen to what Jesus said. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. <laughs> Seemed like Jesus was somewhere off somewhere else and didn't hear anything that they said. But Jesus is trying to make a point to them. And I hope you get this point as, as well. Then Jesus said, behold, I give you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now listen to what he said. Notwithstanding in this rejoice not that you have all of these exploits. Rejoice not that you're operating in this power. Rejoice not 
that you have this power over these devils and the anointing is flowing through your life. Don't rejoice at that. Listen to what he said. But rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Your name is, is secure in me. Rejoice not for the exploits. Listen, the anointing, God can anoint you when he gets ready. But it doesn't mean that you or I, we're all that in a bag of chip, chips. If he can, if he can anoint a donkey to see into the spirit, he can anoint us to get his will done. You never know. You might go to somebody and be prophesying and saying all the deep secrets of their lives. But God has already realized that you are not going to listen to him, but he want to win them. Keep that in the back of your mind. Now, <clears throat> let me let me say this in closing about this uh, verse 19. He said, I have given you authority. Or power. See, he used power twice in, in that scripture. I've given you power over all the power of the enemy. I've given you authority over all the ability of the enemy. Power over all the ability of the enemy. He said, never place a greater confidence on the exploits above the relationship abiding. You know, Bishop have always told us this too. Don't build your church on the gifts of the spirit. Don't do that. You know, they come, they come, they come and they go. But you better, you better build it on the word of God and on the love of God. You better build it on something that's sure, something that is unchangeable because people like exploits. It don't take any abiding to receive exploits. So people like a, a word here. Just give me a word. Just give me a word. Okay, sit down and listen. <laughs> That's a word. Abide. See, the Bible says there are three things, faith, hope, and charity. Uh, and uh, that abides. Our, and the greatest of these is love, okay, or charity. Abide. We're back to that. Abide. If you want to live a life that is anointed, you're going to have to stay in God. Otherwise, it's not going to happen. That the exploits or the anointing is born out of relationship. It is born out of relationship with God. You can't come in and just, just throw a couple of things on, a couple of pennies on the table and say, now I want the anointing. A lot of people try to buy the anointing. You can't buy the anointing. It comes out of relationship. It comes out of relationship. So humble yourself and realize, realize you can do no thing. If you want to do exploits, if you want to walk in it, prophesy. If you want, some people want to prophesy without a relationship with God. He said, there are many that prophesy, but not, not by me. Are you listening? <clears throat> I close with this. We are all anointed, 
but we don't all operate in the anointing. Stay tuned for part three. Hope this has been a blessing to you. The anointing makes the difference. The anointing separates you from religion. The anointing separates you from just being another church goer, another Christian. The anointing makes the difference. The anointing makes the difference. That's what will make you another man or another woman. It's the anointing. Without it, you're just like everybody else. You are just like everyone else. And he said, I'll put a difference between you and everyone else. Hope this has been a blessing to you. Continue to be faithful. Realize you're not serving the church. You're not serving me. You're serving the Lord. Amen. You, the anointing is in the house. And we all share in that same bowl of the anointing. Amen. So, Father, we thank you for your grace, your anointing and favor. We give you the praise, honor, and glory that no weapon is formed against us. We thank you that the anointing of God separates us and calls us, Father, to be different from those that are around us. And we are not afraid. We are not ashamed to be different. And, Lord, help us to survive the anointing that you have placed on us and not be a casualty of war and a casualty of the anointing. In Jesus' name. Amen. Until we get back to each other again and we see each other again, whatever you do, whenever you do it, however you do it, make sure if you anoint it, you can <laughs> keep it real.